0: We hope you are encouraged by the following message. With my teens over the last few weeks, I've been kind of talking about catalyst, or if you know what that means in science terms, it means like things that cause other things to happen. And for about a year and a half with them, too, I've been working on answering the question as to why. Why do I do these things? And as I was singing, that's all that kept popping into my mind. Like, why do... people were to look outwardly onto our lives, the things we do, coming and giving up one of your your weekend mornings on a Sunday morning and serving people throughout the week and stuff like that, why do you do that? And as that that resurrected king is resurrecting me, and it's because what Jesus has done for us. And so today, as I talk about the body of Christ and stuff, I just, I don't want to skip over the why. I'm going to talk a little bit about what the body of Christ is and what we should do inside the body of Christ, but why is ultimately so important because if we don't understand that Jesus came and he died and was resurrected so that we then can be with him and resurrected with him, then the rest of this doesn't really matter. Um, So ultimately that why is so very important and I need to thank David for just like, that wasn't even part of my message. It was just like, God, thank you. Thank you, David, for singing that and reminding me of that. Let me pray and then we'll go ahead and get started. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be here. Um, God, I want to stop for a second and just pray that you remove me from the equation um, and that your word is spoken today. Uh, I want to pray that um, any errors and mistakes I make, that um, ultimately your word rings true uh, because there is no errors or mistakes there. I uh, thank you for an opportunity to be here and preach, and I pray this in your name. Amen. All right, so we're going to be talking about the body of Christ. This is something that God kind of put on my heart a couple of weeks ago during that life action time where they were here. Um, and has really been something that God is... Oh, thank you. I kind of do need that, don't I? Unless I just want to point at Jaden every time. Um, it'd be like a magic trick. It'd be like Harry Potter and just point. Um, anyway... Thank you for bringing this up. I appreciate it. We're going to be talking about the body of Christ, but in order to understand the passage we're going to be studying, we need to understand why Paul decided to write it to the Corinthians And the reason that he wrote it to the Corinthians is because they were struggling with unity. They were struggling with the idea of some people are more important than other people and the giftings God has given them is more important and throwing other people on the back burner and lifting other people up and almost putting them on pedestals while ignoring others. And so Paul writes to 1 Corinthians, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it's an exhortation for unity. And as he goes through there, he starts explaining different things like the spiritual gifts and stuff and how, yes, we are all different, but ultimately, unity, unity, unity. And so, as we dive into the body of Christ, have that mindset of, the body of Christ, why is Paul using the body as an example? Because your body is unified together and works together in order to function properly. Uh, let uh, an illustration of this. When I was in college, my uh, I double majored. I double majored in Bible, and I also had health and physical education. I actually became a PE teacher when I graduated uh, an athletic director for four years, and then I was a PE teacher at a middle school outside of Benton Harbor for a couple of years, teaching PE and teaching health. And one of my health classes was anatomy and physiology. So they took a bunch of PE guys that wanted to like teach games to kids and stuck them in a pre-med class. Um, it was super great, because the teacher was like pre-med all the way, and you guys, I don't even know why you're in my room. Um, but we had to be there because of the health side of things, and we got into a unit on the bones, and we got a cool picture that looked like this that talked about the different parts of the bones from the periosteum to the compact bone to the spongy bone and red bone marrow and yellow bone marrow and what they all do and why they're all important and why you need your bones, and we spent about two weeks with a diagram that looked like this and notes that went along with it, and then towards the end of our two weeks, right before the test, our teacher's like, hey, and if you turn to your back page of your notes, there's a page that looks like this and it has all the bones listed on it for you. You don't even need to go look them up. On your test, there's gonna be 10 questions. That could be any one of these. If you're wondering, memorization, not my strong suit. There is 206 bones in the human body, and I had about a day and a half to learn them all. If you're a baby, there's actually about 270. Fun facts, They, they grow together and become one bone. But 206, day and a half. So I had another PE teacher friend of mine, And I made tons of note cards in our first evening, and then, like, we're quizzing like crazy for, you know, 10 points out of our 100-point test. Basically, if I had studied everything else, I probably would have been fine. But when I got there, I knew those. I might have forgotten the rest of it, but I knew those. Um, But my first thought when she gave it to me was, oh, no. Like, why, you know? And then when I was taking the test, I started thinking, like, what in the world? Why are these 10 more important than the rest of them? And the teacher might say they're all important. I just tricked you into memorizing all of them and I only had to use it 10 questions. Um, But that thought of, okay, what makes the tibia more important than the phalanges and things like that was going through my head. Why did you pick these 10? And that is exactly what the Corinthian church was doing. There's 206 bones, not to mention all the other parts of your body. And they were saying these particular ones are more important than the rest. And that's simply not unity in a church and not true. And so Paul starts to write about the body of Christ, and he says this, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greek, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of the same spirit. So our first half a point today Uh, Because it needs to be continued, but I want to focus on both halves. So, our first half is recognize variety in our church, there are many different people here, and in our world or in the body of Christ as a whole, there's lots of variety, and we need to, as individuals, recognize that and not just recognize it but be excited about that. You, I started doing some research, I'm like, what makes you unique? Obviously your face you can use facial recognition on your phone and i can't get into your phone but your face will unlock it well your fingerprints okay that makes sense but i was like i want a weird one what's something that's weird that's different about you than everybody else i read in the egyptian journal of forensic sciences that your earprint is unique to you You can get a picture from the side of somebody's head and they can identify you based on just your ear, or maybe you're a safe cracker and you crammed your ear up against the side of the safe and they can dust for prints just like a fingerprint. And if they catch you or think you're a suspect, they can match your ear to the ear print. So fun facts, you have a unique ear um, and you are the only one who has that ear. There are 7.753 billion people on the planet. There is only one you. There's no replicas. I know if I was trying to, like, draw, even just draw a picture, not create a whole human body, just draw one picture, I'd probably make it about 15 copies before I started copying myself. God decided just what's alive right now, 7.753 billion, no repeats. That wasn't an accident. He did that on purpose. He made us all different. He gave us all different interests, skills, talents, gifts. And then he chose from those people you guys to be in the body of Christ. And as that, we need to recognize that, yes, we're different, but that's exactly how God wanted it to be. Because if we were all the same, it would look really weird in here if you guys were all standing up here and we were preaching in empty chairs. It would also look really weird if all of us were down the hallway and the kids are, like, way overpopulated down there because we all want to play with the kids. Each of us are different, and that is exactly how God wanted it to be. Instead of it dividing us, it should be, as we see in verses 4 to 7, so I'm actually going to rewind. Most of our our time today we'll spend in the later part of chapter 12. But in verses 4 to 7, we see, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Variety, 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 but we need to recognize or emphasize unity. Even though we're different, we shouldn't focus on the differences we have. We should be excited about those differences, and we should emphasize how we can utilize them towards the same goal. Even though we're all different, we all should share the same goal, and that goal is glorifying God in his name and lifting and sharing Jesus to others. And we need all those different people or tools to work towards that one goal. This point I actually borrowed from a guy named Skip uh, Skip, What's Hitzig. I think he's from uh, Calvary Church in Albuquerque. I was thinking the same thing. He just says it way better than me. Um, But this whole recognize variety and emphasize on unity. Sometimes our differences can divide us. Instead, we should be excited about those differences and allow them to unify us and each fill the roles that God has given us. So, our first complete point there, recognize variety, emphasize unity. We are all part of the same body. Paul goes on in verses 14 to 16. It says, For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body. I think Paul could have paused there for a second. He should have just said, like, the foot can't talk, um, and therefore it doesn't work. But it can't even do this part. But if the foot were to say to the hand, I do not belong to the body it would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each, the, each one of them as he chose. So if we look at his first example, he did eyes and ears, hands and feet. I mentioned that your ears are unique. I bet you all of you knew that if you looked into a, like an eye scanner, an iris scanner, that your eye is unique. I also bet you that the last time that you like, talked to your loved one, you probably told them they had beautiful eyes. But you probably didn't say you have the most amazing ears. I'm guessing. You probably didn't notice that fact about them the first time you saw them. But you did notice their eyes. The same thing with your hands. I'm standing up here, I talk with my hands, I'm using my hands, you could see my hands but I cover my feet up and most of the time you don't even look down at people's feet. And some of us don't even want people to look at our feet. But Paul chose those examples on purpose. He chose visible, not so highly visible. Visible, not so highly visible. Because that's the way the church was struggling with their unity. They were saying these that were very visible, the gifts of signs or miracles, the gifts of tongues, the ones that were up front, more important. The ones that were back, the gifts of hospitality or service and things like that, not so important. We'll put them, hide them. And that's not unity. That's not what Paul was calling for. And so he chooses two on purpose and then talks about how the body doesn't function without them. To give you another example here, this is my son. He's pretty cute. And my daughter, she's also super cute. But if you look at this picture, the first thing you see is the goofy face that Andrew is making. Okay? You don't notice his ears. You don't notice Ashwin's ears. You notice the goofy whatever he's doing with his mouth and the weird look he's giving with his eyes. That's what Paul's trying to say is just because you notice something more doesn't make it less import- or more important than something else. Andrew needs his ears just as much. This last week, Andrew actually got sick on Sunday morning, um, wasn't feeling super great in the afternoon, went to bed. And then in the morning, woke up, there's little drops of blood on his pillow. He had burst his eardrum. He wasn't complaining about his eyes all night long. He was whining and saying, Daddy, my ear hurts. My ear hurts because one part of him, that less visible part of him, was suffering. I can't even see his eardrum. Doctors can when they stick that little thing in there, but I can't. So I was you know, trying to comfort him. Hey, we'll get you into the doc tomorrow. And we ended up doing that, and he's doing much better now. Um, but his ear, even though the eye is what you noticed, was all of a sudden very, very important. And so our second point today is that we need to recognize the importance of each part, and I underlined who designed it because we'll talk about that in a second, but recognize the importance of each part. So yes, we talked about variety and how it's so important to do that and recognize unity, but we also need to recognize the importance, where we need you, what you do, and not just say, you know, because you don't get up on stage or because you're not plugged into our children's ministry and you only do whatever. You're less important. That's not true. Your ministry and where God has put your giftings is important. And then that last part, this is kind of like an inward directed in my opinion. God designed you and gave you the talents and you need to be okay with that and actually excited about it. Personally, I can't sing worth anything. David and I were making some jokes about that this morning that if he like backed out, I'd probably have to lead singing and then all of you would leave. I can't sing, but I could focus on that. And then I would all of a sudden, well, if I can't sing, then I can't actually help here. Well, if I can't work with kids, then where do I fit? Instead of focusing on, hey, God, maybe you didn't give me the talent to sing. I could say, God, what talents did you give me? How can I use them for that common goal of glorifying God? How can I use that talent? And you guys can do that too. We can all take a look at, hey, God, what interests have you given me? What am I excited about that you said, hey, this is part of who you are? How can I use that for your glory? Some of you might not be able to go down that hallway and teach a lesson, but some of you can definitely play with my six-year-old or my four-year-old and have a blast with the little cars in the preschool room. What skills has God given you? recognize who designed it. We see that at the the last verse we read. But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each of them as he chose. Your toes don't get to say, I want to be hands. You don't get to say, I want to be X, Y, Z, but I don't have the ability. You get to say, God, thank you so much for the gifts and talents you've given me. Let me plug in and use them. As we move on in our passage, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again to the head, or the head to the feet, I have no need of you. So you see, Paul kind of flipped this. Instead of an inward reflection of, I'm not a hand, I can't be in the body. Now it's an outward reflection. We can't say to other people, because you don't have this ability, we don't need you. We can't turn and say, you're less important, or I don't necessarily need you here at this church ministering just because you don't have the skill. Or we can't say, hey, we have this hole at our church that needs to be filled. Actually, there's a, one of our families uh, got married and moved away, and we have a gap in our, our meet and greet team right now. And if a new family comes into our church, I don't get to look at that new family and say, do you want to be on the meet and greet team? And they're like, well, no, that's not really where God has put us. In. All right, leave. That's not how it works. Instead, I get to say, okay, that's fine. Where can you plug in? What skills do you have? What gifts has God given you? And how can we get you plugged into this local body of Christ? The same is true with all of our ministries across the board. So that's inward, now outward. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor, and on unpresentable parts we treat with greater modesty. Make sure, yeah. Which our more presentable parts do not require, but God has also composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that it lacked, there uh, that there may be no division, or that there may be no division in the body, but the members may have the same care one for another. Let me, let me put it this way. If I go to the beach, I have these awesome super jacked guns up here, um, and I might show off my biceps at the beach, but I'm not going to show off my lungs. Nobody's super and Look how long I can hold my breath. Look how good I can blow, and you can feel it from five feet away. No one's going to be impressed by that. The parts that are hidden, as it's saying, we actually give more care to. Your lungs, no one gets to see them except for the doctor. There's a cage literally built around them to protect them. And you need them in a nice bacteria-free environment because if they're out and about, they don't function so well. Yes, I might show off. Actually, I really don't. might show off my guns at the beach, but I'm never going to show off my lungs. And the same thing in our church. There might be some people in our church that can have the ability to get up and do like what Dennis did and give some announcements and we can be more visible and see them. But there's also some people in our church that's like, hey, we need to gather around and protect them because their role in our church is so important, we can't live without it. And so we as a church need to, hey, let's form that ribcage around them or let's form that idea of, hey, you are so important to our church. Even though you might not be the one up front, you might be the one that sets up tables when no one else is around. But if those tables don't get set up when nobody else is around and we arrive for the event, all of a sudden the event doesn't run so smooth. This is true of the body. Another another example, I guess, would be like this. If, uh, If I invited a teen over a year and a half ago, I redid the deck in my backyard. And if I invited one over and I'm like, hey, I need your help today. And I was like, here's a deck board. I want you to go cut it down to seven feet for me. And they took it into my garage. And let's pretend this teen doesn't really have a lot of experience. And they're like, OK, what do I use? And I hand them a hammer. I'm like, cut it to seven feet. I want it nice and straight. They're going to look at me and be like, um, OK, let me like, find an edge. And maybe I'll smack it on the edge and hope it breaks right. Obviously, that's not the tool. The teen might be smart enough to think, I need a saw. Obviously, I need a saw. And so as the person who's giving them direction, I go, OK, I got saws. Which saw is actually the right saw? I have a miter saw, I have a circle saw, I have a regular saw, I have a sawzall. I even have a chainsaw. That could be fun. Which one's the right one? It depends on what I'm wanting. If I want to build character, maybe I give him the handsaw, right? But if I want him to do the job right, I'm going to walk him over there, give him a tape measure and a pencil and show him how to use my miter saw so that my cut gets nice and straight. The same thing is true here. We might have a role and you might have talents just like... A circle saw could cut my board, but there might be somebody who, hey, you're that miter saw in this particular situation. You're exactly who we need. We need to not only be okay with that, but we need to know each other well enough to know those things. And so being as part of the body, you know yourself. Think about it. You know your fingers. You know what they look like. You know what your face looks like. You know what your hands look like because you've spent a lifetime getting to know what you look like. And the same thing in our body, we need to take some time to get to know each other. And one of the ways we actually do that around here at church is we have small groups. um, And we have some classes that meet, or a class that meets on Sunday mornings. And those are great opportunities where you can come and you can be part of a small setting so that you get to know people better and figure out exactly what their skills are, where you can help them, and where they can help in the body of Christ. Uh, I had somebody in my life that used to say, you can't be all things for all people, But you can be some things for some people. And that's a true statement even in our church. Our church is not huge. But there are enough people in here that we can't get to know everybody. But we can get to know some people really, really well. And we can take some time to be those tools in their lives or be part of the body of Christ in that way. So that when an opening at the church like the meet and greet team happens, you can say, hey, I know somebody for that. Because you've spent some time getting to know them. Uh, And then, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. I wrote in our little email that goes out, you probably haven't thought about your big toe much recently, I imagine, unless you're somebody who really likes your big toe. Um, But if you stub it when you're going around the corner on the counter... All of a sudden, you're thinking about your big toe, and you're not just thinking about your big toe. It's all you can think about for the next like 30, to, you know, 30 seconds to a couple of minutes until your toe decides to stop throbbing. When somebody suffers in our church, we all suffer. And Dan has mentioned it to you. It seems like the last few weeks, there's been an, an uptick of that in our church. And it's true. There are people gathering around those folks in our church, and we are suffering right along with them. But the, the opposite is true, too. We get to rejoice together. My, my younger brother, his wife was pregnant with twins, and actually yesterday they had their babies. Um, yeah, I know. You can give them a round of applause because having twins, I can't even imagine. Um, but we get to rejoice with them and be excited with them, and we can gather around them and help them and be excited. They had a, their baby shower a few weeks back and things like that. We get to be excited and rejoice with, and we get to suffer and realize, hey, this person is hurting, or this part of my body right now just stubbed itself against the bottom of the counter. How can I help? When your toe gets hurting, some of you might jump around, some of you might sit down, but the rest of your body reacts to it. Same is true if it is exciting and something that's good. Anybody recognize this picture here? Yeah? Who is it? Anybody know? Yeah, Thomas Kincaid. My mom... Growing up, loved doing Thomas Kincaid. I think it was, like, something in, like, the 90s that was, like, super, super popular with these Thomas Kincaid puzzles, which I actually found out. Apparently, either Disney bought rights or something. They started, like, sticking superimposing, like, Disney characters over all his Thomas Kincaid pictures, and it looked really weird because this is my memory as a kid, but it was, like, the first three rows on Google were, like, Disney pictures on Thomas Kincaid pictures, and I was super confused, um, but... My mom used to do these all the time. She had a, a whole table set down in the, in the basement and she would put a pink poster board or a blue poster board on there so it was really contrasting when a piece wasn't in the right spot and we would do these thousand piece puzzles together. We'd go down there and we'd work together on her puzzle and I being the, uh, the best son in the world would, would accidentally you know, knock some off and then while I'm down there cleaning them up, tuck one underneath the rug and then stand back up and keep working with my mom. And then she'd get to the end of her puzzle and all of a sudden she can't find that piece. Yeah, I was actually not the best son in the world. Um, and then I'd be like, oh, let me help you, mom. And I'd look around and act like I didn't know where it was and be like, oh, I found it. And I'd get to put the last piece. And it would look something like this when she was finished, you know, where there's like a piece missing from the puzzle. But when you're working on a puzzle, those of you who love puzzles, my wife's grandma is like a puzzle nut. She loves puzzles. But if you get to the end of the puzzle, this is the most infuriating thing. You just spent all that time, all that effort trying to make the puzzle complete. And even though it's 99.9, what, 9% complete, if it's a uh, 1,000-piece puzzle, it doesn't feel right unless it's all the way complete. And the same thing is true with the body of Christ. If you don't plug in to the body of Christ, we are like this puzzle. If we have multiple people missing, it's like it'd be even worse because you're looking at this almost complete puzzle. So our last thing you need to recognize as far as the body of Christ is concerned is we need to recognize where we fit in the body of Christ. You need to do some self-reflection. You need to look at your own talents, your own interests, your own abilities, and you need to say, hey God, help me figure out where I fit, so that when we're looking at the puzzle of community church, we can say, it doesn't look like that, it looks like this. This is much more satisfying. If you're a puzzle person, you're like, please stop putting that other picture on the board. This is the way God has designed us to function as a body of Christ. He didn't design us to function missing pieces It's the same thing. He didn't design your body to be missing pieces. Yes, we can live without certain pieces in our body. But that doesn't mean we want to. It doesn't mean that's the best way for it to function. Just because it can happen doesn't mean it should happen. And the same thing is true about the body of Christ. So we need to recognize, where do you fit in the body of Christ Where is your role? And once you've figured out, okay, this is what God's given me and my gifts, you need to do something about it. It doesn't just stop with, hey, I recognize there's some variety in my church, and you guys are awesome. And we're all working towards Jesus. That's awesome too. And God's given me this talent and ability, and I'm going to keep it to myself. It doesn't work properly. If your body starts doing that, that's when you go see the doctor. If part of your body starts saying, I'm done, I don't work anymore, I don't want to do my job, you start feeling not so good, and you start going to the doctor. Same thing's true with the body of Christ. We need you. We want you. In order so that we can work towards that emphasizing unity, that common goal of Christ. And so, I guess you get to ask yourself that question. Where do you fit? Okay, I know my talents. I know my abilities. Let's do something about it. Where do I fit? I'm going to put a list up here. This does not include every, everything that is available here at Community Church. I just only have so much room on our slide. So where do I fit? I could plug into kids ministry. I know Marissa was talking to me the other day. She's actually in need of some kids ministers. We, uh, she's down there working this week. It would be great if somebody was doing her job in that classroom so she could do the organization administration part. We could use some people in student ministry. We are actually short one guy leader right now. I could really use a guy who wants to come in and work with either middle school or high school guys. Small groups, we already talked about this one, but this is more than just like you could run one and that could be something you could do, but you could be a part of one where you get to know other people. And there is cards out by our thing that explains uh, by our offering boxes that explain the weeknights and things like that. Or you can plug into like Dennis's one here on Sunday mornings. That whole, the body suffers or rejoices, if you don't know what's going on in the rest of your body, you, you can't do that part with us. And we want you to do that part with us, and we want to do it with you. When you're suffering, we want to be there with you. When you're rejoicing, we want to have that excitement too. But we can't if you're not part of our body. Not that small group is the only way to plug in and be part of the body, but it is one great tool that we do that. If you have a musical talent and you're hiding it, please come talk to David or Adam. They would love to talk to you. We would love, instead of having the flannel family, I feel like that fits with the body of Christ better than skeleton crew, Um, but flannel family, you know, instead of having flannel family, we could have a few more people up here. My wife was supposed to be up here with him. Sorry, David, she's sick. Um, But we would love to have you. Maybe you're like me, and when I was a kid, I wasn't necessarily one who could get up front and speak, and I also wasn't one who could sing. But I could go back there and learn from Matt and figure out how to do the sound. All of you can click a slide. That's pretty easy. Some of you can learn how to make sure we are streaming live, and the people at home get to see us. Talk to Chris. He wants to, he wants to hear from you and get you plugged into that schedule. Outreach, we have Trunk or Treat coming up. Oh, thanks. You left it up here. Awesome. We have Trunk or Treat coming up in this coveted trophy here. Um, the, it's actually one year old. It's not super coveted, but it will be. Um, the Basses and the Lynches won this last year. Maybe you want to come and Disney up your car so that you can give some candy, and this is outreach. This is something that we can do to get our community here. Another outreach thing we have coming up is Upward. Last year, we had 324 kids from first grade up to fourth grade in our gymnasium all week long, and then on Saturdays as well. I run that program, but I need help. I can't handle 324 kids by myself. I just can't do it. There's too many of them. They're crazy. Um, but we need your help. I need help with check-ins. I need help with running scoreboards. I need help with coaching. I need help with lots of things. If that's something where you're like, hey, I'm, I'm gifted in that whole gift of gab where like, if somebody walks up to me, I could just start talking to them and all of a sudden I know their like whole history and background, that's a great role for you or our meet and greet team. You could be that or check in or something like that and plug in in the, in the aspect of like as people come in, they feel very welcomed by you. That might be the gift God's given you and you can stand there and you can make people feel welcome. Men's and women's ministry, again, this is one where if you want to disciple other people, uh, the Bible calls us to disciple. Um, for example, John, I'm gonna call you out. Uh, he's in our men's group. We actually start this Monday and I'm super excited that he's in there and he gets to pour into me. And then I get to take that and I get to pour into the youth here at the church. We have people in our church who can disciple. Come talk to me, come talk to Fran. Fran's not here this week, but we can get you plugged into the men's and women's ministry and we would love to have you be part of that discipleship part part of our church. These are just a few of the ministries we offer here. And these are not, even if it's not necessarily here local, like with our church, there are other places you can plug into the body of Christ. What's important is that you, as we said, are doing something about it. And so as I wrap up with the body of Christ, I just want to go over those three things. You need to recognize variety, but ultimately we're emphasizing unity. You need to recognize the importance of each part and who designed it. It's important to be okay with what God's given you and use it. And then finally, recognize where you fit and do something about it. I'm gonna invite David back up here. We got yeah about five minutes. I'm gonna invite you back up here to sing that uh, the res- what's is it Resurrected King? Is that the name of it? Resurrecting. Okay, we're gonna sing that song again, and I kind of want to draw back to that first point that I, I came up here and talked about because God just really put it on my heart. I just talked a whole about, a whole lot about things you can do, but if we forget the why and we go down and work in kids' ministry, or we're working in meet and greet, or we're meeting in small groups, and you're forgetting why you're doing that, or it's not on the forefront of your mind, it's worthless. Because ultimately, the reason we do any of this is because of what Christ has done for us. And so if you don't understand what I'm even talking about with this whole, Jesus, what did Jesus do for me? I don't get it. Please, come talk to me. Talk to one of our elders. Dennis was up here. He would love to talk to you. We would love to explain the why behind this whole body of Christ thing, because it is why we are sitting here today. Let me pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to speak. I just ask again that uh, your word rings true um, and that anything I said in error is removed. I uh, pray as we sing this song that we can really focus on that why uh, and focus on who you are, and what you did for us, and that you are resurrecting us to bring us closer to you. I pray this in your name. Amen. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.